Growing up, many of us learned important life values by hearing children's stories. Who remembers the boy who cried wolf and the three little pigs? Remember the boy cries out, wolf, wolf, and the whole town comes out because he lied that he was in danger? Then a, when wolf, a wolf was really gonna get him, no one believed him. What was a life lesson in this little story? It's dangerous to lie. Isn't it so much more effective to tell a story about the consequences of lying than just hearing, don't lie? How about the life lesson in the three little pigs, remember? Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hairs on my chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. In this story, the pig who worked hard, builds his house from bricks, was safe from the big bad wolf. And the other two who goofed off, paid the price for their laziness and foolishness. Effectively, it taught the importance of working hard, right? Throughout the history of the world, people like Confucius, Buddha, Aesop have told stories or fables to teach deeper truths. These are ways all cultures pass lessons on to the next generation. My family, when I was a young boy, spent many summers back in my hometown in the Philippines where I was born. I heard the classic Filipino story of the turtle and the monkey over and over again teaches about how to be wise in dealing with your enemies. And I can still hear the way my Uncle Pedro told it as I fell asleep at night on a bamboo floor in his thick Filipino accent. Jesus does the same thing through his stories. Jesus' stories are called parables. His parables are often comparisons, putting two things side by side. Jesus takes something common that's well known, like a shepherd, a coin, a sun, a lamp, a seed, to what is not yet fully understood, like the kingdom of heaven, or God himself, or God's word. The majority of Jesus' stories teach us what the kingdom of God is like. In Mark uh, chapter four, verse 33, it says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. The disciples asked him, well, why do you speak to people in parables? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, Verses 13 and 15. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. See, Jesus knows if he tried just telling them the truth in plain and simple language, they wouldn't listen. He had to be creative and wrap the truth in easy to relate two stories to pique their interest. You know, if Jesus lived on earth today, I think he'd, he would have liked puzzles. Why? Because puzzles take patience. They take observation. They take looking carefully at each piece at the same time focusing on the big picture. Parables are a lot like puzzles. They're challenging. Yet here's the point. They're meant to be solved. Parables challenge the listener to step into the thought world of Jesus and solve or learn the life lessons he's teaching. For those who want to see and hear the truth, it's going to be revealed to them. For those who don't want to see or hear spiritually, well, they'll keep on rejecting the things of God and their hearts get more calloused to spiritual things. They don't get the deeper meanings and they walk away from the story. They give up on the puzzle. I pray that today God would open your eyes and your hearts to learn from Jesus' stories. Are you ready? Open your Bibles then to Matthew chapter 13. In the same story that's found in the Gospel of Luke, it says, it says thousands of people have gathered just to hear Jesus speak. What a storyteller he must have been. 
Let's begin in Matthew 13, verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Before we read any further, I think it would be helpful for us to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. Because much of what Jesus explains in parables is about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which are the same thing. Did you realize that we pray about the kingdom of God every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So what exactly is God's kingdom? Very simply, it's the place where God is king and where he rules. Is there any place where God doesn't reign as king? No. So to clarify, God's kingdom has three realms where he rules. First, God rules as king over the whole universe. This is called the kingdom of power. That includes everything on earth in the entire universe, all things visible and invisible that he made. Second, he actively rules those on earth who have received entrance into God's kingdom by grace through faith. But this doesn't include all people, only those who have been born again into God's kingdom. This is called the kingdom of grace. Where does this rule take place? In our hearts. Thirdly, he rules the angels and saints who are in heaven with God and all his glory. This is called the kingdom of glory. Here's some Bible verses that describe his rule in those specific realms. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. That's the kingdom of power. John 3, 5, Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. It's the kingdom of grace. 2 Timothy 4, 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of glory. So when we pray thy kingdom come, we acknowledge God's in control of all things and pray that his lordship or rulership would be known more and more. We're asking that more and more people would be given the gift of faith and be added to God's kingdom of grace. And then God would keep us safe in his kingdom until we go from this earth to be with him in his everlasting kingdom in heaven. So with that as a background, let's look at two parables where Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed and to yeast. He's teaching us through stories to understand more about his kingdom, specifically the kingdom of grace. So back to Matthew 13, verse 31 and 32. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Right up front, the lesson here about God's kingdom is from little things, big things grow. We can relate to that, can't we? Small mustard seed grows into a large plant. Today, we don't have much experience with that kind of plant, but we do know Huge oak trees come from small acorns. We understand how little things can grow into big things in the stock market and business investments. I mean, our human ambitions even yearn for this upward curve to the right, up and to the right, growing profit, more prestige, increasing power. But like a picture on the side of a puzzle box, this is the big picture, it's surface lesson. It's, we wanna dig deeper to those puzzle pieces and see how the how of God's kingdom grows. A small seed like this, it's a mustard seed, easily missed and overlooked, often disregarded, 
makes me think of Jesus' small beginning on earth. He was that tiny inside Mary's womb. He had a lowly birth in a stable. He grew up in a small, disregarded city. God's kingdom came to earth with Jesus in a small way. And look how much it has grown. Think about the numbers with me. Christianity starts out with Jesus, his 12 disciples on Pentecost. There were about 120 people in an upper room, scared, praying, and boom! The Holy Spirit grew it so that now, 2,000 years later, it's the number one religion in the world. 2.3 billion people in the kingdom of God. From little things, big things grow. I learned another interesting thing about the mustard seed as I researched for the sermon. The mustard plant was considered a weed in Jesus' day. And I remember seeing beautiful yellow mustard plants in the wine country of California amid all the grapevines. When you see the mustard plants, the weeds, you'd think that the wine growers wouldn't want those growing with the grapes because mustard is a weed. But quite the opposite. The mustard plant helps keep microscopic worms from getting into the grapevines. Using natural organic mustard weeds means they don't have to use pesticides or chemicals. And I'm sure Jesus chose the mustard plant on purpose for more meanings like that too. Some consider Christianity or God's kingdom to be useless or undesirable like a weed. But being a Christ follower, isn't that the single most important relationship a person can have? Look with me in Matthew 13 again. Jesus tells another story to teach us about God's kingdom. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus is saying, you see, I'm that prophet communicating God's thoughts and truth right now. Pay attention, listen, learn. What is Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God in this story? Like yeast, it spreads quickly. It's not easily stopped. You see, when yeast is mixed into flour, it uncontrollably mixes in and takes over. Most of us are bread lovers, I know I am and appreciate this phenomenon. Yeast does its good work to make bread airy and delicious. It's what causes baked goods to rise. Without yeast, bread's like a dense brick. The original word that gets translated as yeast is also translated as leaven. Yeast is a kind of leaven. They're both elements that encourage growth. Leaven's used in the Bible several times as a symbol for moral corruption. And we're cautioned at how dangerous it is to let a little sin get worked into our life. Jesus even warns people to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees' teaching. And in 1 Corinthians 5, it also tells us how boasting and wickedness spreads like leaven. So we understand the truth that both evil and the kingdom of God have the capacity to spread quickly. In this parable, Jesus is showing us that the yeast multiplies in the flour uncontrollably. The kingdom of God's working in unseen ways, multiplying. God's at work even though we might not see it or perceive what he's doing. And so with all that's happening in our world right now and the uncertainty and the disruption of our normal life, we need to be reminded that God is still working. His kingdom is present and it's spreading whether we see it or not. 
This pandemic has caused unique circumstances and opportunities for God's kingdom to spread to those that might not have ever heard the gospel or gone to church. During these COVID times, a woman from England, based on an invitation, has started to watch our services online. Pastor Joe sent her a few faith mugs, and here's what she said. It was such a wonderful surprise and really brightened my day. We love our tea over here, so I know I'll be using them lots and thinking of my faith family across the pond. I cannot get over how embracing faith is and how you've welcomed me with open arms even though I've never walked through the door. I just wanted to let you know what an impact you all have made on my church experience. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Samantha. Samantha, we hope you're watching today too. So what's the meaning behind these stories? I think one takeaway is Jesus wants us to be like the man who planted mustard in his field, a mustard seed. Keep planting seeds of the kingdom of God around you. First, be sure that those seeds are planted in your own life. How? Be regular in worship. Come to church. Continue to watch online, hear and study God's word. Be in prayer with the Lord. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, including all of your sins too and all of mine. All your sins are forgiven on his account. He has made you right with God. Trust him as your savior and keep on planning that in your own heart and life. Here in worship today, even online, a seed's being planted in you. When you study God's word, the seed's being planted in you. When you receive Christ's body and blood, a seed's being planted in you. When you come to him in prayer, even though you may not, may not see it or feel the results immediately, these seeds will bear fruit in your life. And then plant those spiritual seeds of the kingdom of God in the hearts and lives of those around you. When you invite relatives and friends, neighbors to join you in worship, you're planting a seed. Every time you witness to Jesus in your words and actions, you're planting a seed. When you reach out to help those who are troubled and hurting, you're planting a seed. When you show kindness and compassion and Christian love, when you give of your time to serve the Lord, you're planting a seed when you contribute financially to the work of the Lord, when you pray for others, you're planting a seed. Like the yeast we can't see working, God's also working. You know, I experienced that recently. About a month ago, right before my trip to St. Louis, I stopped by the auto shop that takes care of my five used cars. Each have well over 100,000 miles, so they see me often. They take such good care of me. The day before we left, as I usually do, I went to get my oil and fluids topped off, tire pressure checked for the long trip. And out of the blue, seemingly, the guy that I've known for years says, hey, Tony, I've been meaning to ask you, is your church having services during this time? I was shocked. I said, well, as a matter of fact, we're just reopening. He said, I haven't been to church since my mom died in 2015. Was never confirmed of taking communion or anything like that. I don't even have clothes to wear. And that came out of nowhere. I mean, I haven't talked to him specifically about God. He knew I was a pastor. He said, yeah, I would like to check out your church. Wow, what a great surprise to me. Somehow God, through the course of circumstances of his life, his thoughts and the strange time in history, led him to, uh, to have a desire to attend church. What a privilege to see God working. And I pray that he feels a sense of belonging here 
and grows his faith strong daily. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 explains to us how the kingdom of heaven grows and spreads through mustard-sized spiritual seeds. St. Paul writes, The Lord has assigned to each his task. I, that's Paul, planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. What an honor to be a seed spreader in God's kingdom. Yet, I know that there's some of you out there right now, whether you watch online or you sit at church, maybe you feel frustrated because you have been planting seeds faithfully working to sow spiritual seeds in someone you love, and you don't see any growth. I get it, it's disheartening sometimes. Don't give up, have perseverance and stay faithful to the task. Only God knows what it takes for some to grow spiritually. And everyone's timetable and journey, it's different. Keep living your Christian life boldly, praying earnestly, leave the results up to the Lord. It's ultimately between that person and him anyway. The burden of their salvation, it's not yours to carry. Don't let Satan make you feel guilty for not being good enough of a seed sower. You never know how long it's gonna take and what's gonna happen all of a sudden to cause that growth to spring up. It's a miracle that only God understands. Can any one of us really fully grasp how a seed or yeast is so effective at what it does? Tiny seed, yeast, both start inconspicuously. And then with time, God uses a mysterious process to grow them, to multiply them into something amazing. God's so amazing that he built this into his creation, that miraculous power of a seed to grow and yeast to cause dough to rise. See, neither story does the human observer cause the growth. It's God who expands his kingdom, and we're in awe of him. What do we learn about God's kingdom through Jesus' stories? God takes little seeds, seemingly insignificant things like a mustard seed and accomplishes great things. The kingdom of God is working in unseen ways like yeast multiplying. Mike, Samantha from England are just two examples. Keep planting brothers and sisters in Christ. And I encourage you with the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. May God give you the strength and the will to continue to do his kingdom work. It may give you glimpses of this unseen work and its growth. Remember, God's at work even when we fail or we can't see it. Praise him for that, amen? Amen, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for how you work and showing us little glimpses of your kingdom work, using even us as your servants, failed as we are, not perfect as we are, with faltering lips, with our actions that aren't always what we seem to be perfect, yet you use all of it, God, to grow your kingdom. And so, Lord Jesus, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.